Hello and welcome to Stick Around, a suicide discussion. If you or someone you love struggle with mental illness, this is the place to be. I'm Kel Bjorn, and I'm passionate about helping others discover ways to find value in their lives. You've got friends, you've got family, you've got plenty of people who want you to stick around. So let's open up and see if we can make a difference. Hey everyone, welcome back. This is part two of my interview with Judy Van Epperen. You know, it's it's just it's a really difficult place to be in, and yeah. and depression is a difficult thing to deal with for that person and the people that love them. Well, it kind of makes me curious. I guess you being a parent of a situation where your son was taken by suicide, um, and knowing that these kind of strings can happen where whether it's friends see the result of that and maybe that brings them down. Um, have you found yourself maybe trying to get closer to some friends of Chris or people that were close to him and just paying attention to see if they might kind of fall into that same behavior? Oh, absolutely. That, that first year uh, I was terrified. I was terrified for my family. I was terrified for, just everyone around me because losing Chris was such a shock, a trauma. I mean, it just completely turned our world upside down. And as, as you said in my bio, my family will never be the same because even, um, sorry, even happy events, there's something missing. Yeah. And I have a hole that's, I'm just going to carry the rest of my life. And most days are, it's, it's manageable. Other days it's not. And actually today is a bit of an anniversary because it's two years and five months today. since oh, he wow. Left. But um, I think that, I, yes, I, I became overprotective of my own family and of his, of his friends. And the friends that he grew up with, they called me mom. I mean, they, they practically lived here and I was Mm. friends with their parents. And so, yes, I was very vigilant to reach out to them periodically. And, you know, and, and again, we talked about at the beginning about how you think that young adults or teenagers are so selfish. These kids rallied around me Mm. and I'm not going to mention who it is, but one of his friends told his mom that he would not do what Chris did because of the look on my face, because he, after we found out what happened, he was the next one to find out. Wow. And, and that's, that's, it's just, it, it speaks of a close community. And I think we have a close community here and I can only speak for my family. If my kids brought a friend home, that friend was like one of my kids. I tr- trust me. There were times where they knew they were going to get that I was going to fuss at them or I was going to tell them. <laughs> you know, like I said, language, language, or no, you're not going to do that because you're going to get hurt or whatever. Yeah. Um, it just it just speaks of a community, and and yes, I and even to this day, I still check in, check in with all of them periodically and. Um, uh, and I go out of my way to share the things that I've learned, especially with young people. And that's why, 
because I can't go back and change what, what's happened with Chris, but if I can spare another family, a mom, a dad, brothers and sisters from going through this, I am going to do it. I'm going to try as best I can. Wow. What, I mean, Judy, what an impact you can have. I mean, I think of most kids, you know, you hear from your parents all the time, every day, your whole life. And sometimes hearing from another friend's parent can, can actually mean more because it's a different voice, you know? I think everyone's kind of been that. I mean, I had a couple of extra moms in my neighborhood growing up. Um, and, and like you said, there's kind of a community. It takes a village to raise someone. So um, that's just, that's really powerful to see what this is kind of, I don't know how to put it exactly, but what you've become through this and is such a strength to other people. Well, I appreciate that. I, I, um, I'm not perfect by all means, but I, I can appreciate the things that I have learned through this. And I feel like I would be remiss and I would dishonor my son's memory by not acting on them and yeah. making it part of who I am as a person. So that's a great outlook. I know in our uh, first conversation, when I first met you, you mentioned that your son was taken by suicide rather than what most people refer to as committed suicide, um, which is something I'd never heard before. Um, do you find it difficult to, to kind of know, or do, I guess for someone that finds it difficult to approach you or someone in that situation, do you have any advice for how to, I guess, handle that situation when another family is affected by this? Oh, yes. Yes. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And, and I, trust me, I've given um, a lot of time, energy and uh, mind power in all of those questions over the last two years and five months. Um, first and foremost, the reason why I say my son was taken by suicide as opposed to committed suicide, it helps take the stigma away. Mm, yeah. It remind people that um, I don't care where you sit your fanny on Sunday and what your beliefs are, whether you believe in God or Buddha or a higher power or whatever. Scientifically, and we just we as human beings, we have a self-preservation instinct, desire inside of us. And when that gets turned off, that's a mental illness. And just like cancer, nobody wants to get cancer. Well, nobody wants to be mentally sick either. And um, if people, I, I, if my, if, if nothing else gets out from my message, it's, it's okay to not feel okay. And that just like if you had a cold or, or a virus, <laughs> you're going to go to a doctor and get help. Well, people should be just as feel free, um, unashamed to go and get mental help when you need it. And that's why I say it that way. And also my son was so much more than that final act. I don't want him to be defined by that. And if people do think of him that way, I want them to remember that he didn't do it to get back at us. He didn't, you know, it wasn't a selfish act. It was an act of desperation and it was an act of, I have fought for so long 
and I just don't have it in me to do it anymore. It, as you said earlier, it's that loss of hope. And in our situation, there was no sign prior to that. And trust me, I went through every message, every text, every bit of electronic paper, whatever he wrote in his own words, I never saw anything saying, I want to, that this is my plan and this is what I'm going to do. You know, there were, there were some, there were some artwork and some other things that I could see that, you know, that he was struggling and that he was down, but it was very impulsive and the decision was made within hours and then, and then completed. Yeah. But I think the main thing is, is I just, I just want that stigma to be taken away. And for people to realize that um, huh, these young people that that when they get to that point, it, it's it's almost like they're not in their right mind, and that's what I want people to remember. the The person that Chris was when he died, and where he the dark place he was at, that wasn't him as a person. Hmm. That was the period of time in his life. And, um, he, he felt very alone and he didn't need to. Um, and I, I wanted to, you were saying, how can people reached out better? Um, can I start with a couple of don'ts? Yeah, absolutely. Um, don't ask the method. That is, that is a very difficult thing to ask a parent, a sibling, if, if and when they're ready to tell you, then then okay. But that's a very difficult thing. Um, not blaming a parent, a sibling, a friend. Blame is just, it does nobody any good. Um, and uh, telling a grieving parent or sibling to get over it, or why are you still sad? Oh, boy. All those three things are the epitome of kicking somebody when they're down. And uh, it, it's just, it does nobody any good to ask any of those questions or say any of those things. Well, like um, you said, there's, there's a hole that's never going to be filled. I mean, you can find ways to, you know, find happiness in your own life, but it doesn't mean mm-hmm. that that part of you is ever going to just go away. I mean, it reminds me, I'll have I really have a hard time with motion sickness, <laughs> roller coasters, car rides, that kind of stuff. And I've had people say, it's all in your head. Like, just get over it. You know, and it's like, you have no, I, I, I just puked on the side of the road. It's not like something I want to do. <laughs> right. I don't know why that came to my mind, but it's when someone tells you how to feel or how you're feeling and why, and that it should be long enough. Like there's, I totally agree. That's not something you should approach that way. Right. And, you know, I have some of the do's are, you know, yeah, reach out to that person. But remember, if they don't get back to you right away or they're not ready yet, that's okay. Actually, see, going to visit with somebody that's lost a child, say six months, a year later, that's almost better because that's when everybody has moved on. They, for, you know, it, to us, we feel like they've forgotten. And that's, that's almost better. Um, ask about their child, ask things, you know, like you did ask, ask me about his hobbies. Let me share some funny stories about him. Um, Oh, one of my, again, 
treasures beyond measure, um, pictures, videos, whenever something new that I had never seen before, but once every few months, one of his friends will come across something or, a, or parents of, of kids that he was friends with will find something and they'll send it to me. And let me tell you, yes, I ugly cry big time, <laughs> but it's such a gift because it's like seeing him all over again. Yeah. And that, that's really great. Um, one of the other things for me personally, um, when I go up to the cemetery and see that somebody else has been there, uh, that just, again, I, I ugly cry and it's, <laughs> but um, it's, it's really, uh, it makes you, it makes me realize I'm not alone, that he is not forgotten and yeah. that he was so loved and he really was, he was very loved. And with grief, there's no right way and there's no wrong way and you cannot rush it. And I, I have a person in my life that they're still grieving the death of somebody for 20 plus years. And before Chris died, it used to annoy me sometimes. Really? And like, ah, oh, I get it. I get it. Hmm. So again, my life has changed. My outlook has changed about a lot of things. Um, yeah. um, grieving is a, it's a, I've, I've come to realize and I've come to find out that especially a, a grief um, for somebody that, that you've lost somebody, that you're a suicide survivor, that you've survived someone else um, being lost in suicide. Um, there is, uh, there's no point in trying to rush through that. Uh, the Savior told us mourn with those who mourn. He didn't say, tell them not to cry. He yeah. didn't say, tell them to hurry up and get over this. Tell them to you know, not feel that way. He said, mourn with them, comfort yeah. those stand in need of comfort. And that is, uh, that's the key. And there's no right or wrong way. Uh, some of the best moments that I've had with people were them just sitting next to me. I'm a hugger. So having somebody put their arm around my shoulder or hold my hand or give me a hug that, you know, and not everybody is like that, but just very small, simple things. Uh, we had a lot of people just leave little gifts on the doorstop, uh, doorstep. I got a lot of messages, a lot of text and things like that. And it took me months. It took me months to get through everything, finish. Wow. Thank you. Stuff like that. But, um, just be patient, just be patient with people. And like I said, mourn with those who mourn and comfort those who stand in need of comfort. Don't try to push them along, move them along. It's a process. And I realized that it's, a, it's like a post-traumatic stress because it, especially in the beginning, oh, I would have, yeah, you have flashbacks and you have all these really difficult um, feelings and um, images that just keep coming back. And it, it's, it's hard. So there's no rush in that. And I am a huge... Um, advocate for mental health counseling. I, I have the best counselor in the world and she just gets me and has really helped me work through a lot of things. So that's awesome. I really like a lot of what you were just saying, just before you mentioned that you don't want to remember him by his final act, because it kind of contributes to that stigma that we're just going to judge this person and say that's, that's who they were their whole life. 
Um, and it sounds like just with the community, his friends that they didn't want to either. They keep sharing experiences with you and sharing pictures of remembering the good times. And you mentioned before that, you know, you're trying to emulate kind of your son's attitude toward other people and trying to do, uh, perform a daily act of kindness if you can. Um, in what ways have you approached that? Have you, if you have any good experiences as a result of that, of trying to change maybe that attribute about yourself? Um, you know, I, it's not even necessary that I needed to change myself. I, I, I was always sort of a helper. So maybe he kind of learned that a bit from me. Yeah. But my reasoning behind it now has changed. I, I do everything I do strictly out of love and not expecting anything back. I just mm. show love to people. Um, I, uh, around Christmas time, I have little, just little like small four by six cards that I had made up that have some really nice pictures of Chris on them. And then on the back, I have a sticker that says, um, you know, in, in Chris's memory that, you know, that we lost Chris to suicide. And in his memory, we asked that you do one random act of kindness. And then I, and then I sign it basically by saying you are loved and then having the number for the suicide hotline on there. And as I'm out and about doing busy Christmas shopping, I leave them on shelves and grocery stores and, oh, wow. and plus and things like that. Um, I, I'm a talker anyway, obviously hmm. when I go to the grocery store, even now I talk to people. I remember when my kids were growing up, they would be like, you are so weird. Do you even know the person? <laughs> I'm like, no, but people are interesting. They have value. They have great stories to tell. Why, why do you have to know somebody personally to have a conversation with them? Yeah. It's just simple things. It's just, you know, the pay it forward. Uh, um, just smile at somebody, just, you know, invite them, text them, say, Hey, I'm thinking about you or, ah, uh, the, I love yous. Don't ever, it's like going to the bathroom. Don't ever pass up an opportunity to go to the bathroom. <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't ever pass up an opportunity to tell somebody that you love them, that something that they did was, was kind, caring, loving, um, just don't, don't pass up an opportunity to give a compliment and to, um, not so much reward. I'm trying to think of a better word to say, um, to encourage kindness and, and, and empathy and compassion for other people. Don't ever squelch that in somebody else. So, you know, because I don't care who you are, how old you are. Like you need to be, you need to know that, that you're worth it and that you have value and just those little, you know, a smile, a hold the door for somebody, you know, help somebody, you know, I'm, I'm a short person. The struggle is real. <laughs> Grab something off the top shelf for me in the grocery store, you know, just little things like that. They don't take much effort. And if you're not an, an extrovert like me, just smile at people, pick up a piece of trash you know, write a note to a, a past teacher or somebody that really influenced you. Hmm. There's all kinds of very small things that make big differences in to people and in their lives. So, oh, and it's just, advice. yeah, it just, it, uh, and, and I think 
as much as you help someone else, that helps you. I think you actually gain more from that than the person that's on the receiving end. So that's the nice thing about happiness and doing kind things to people. It, you know, happiness is something that could be shared by everybody. It doesn't have to be yours. Yeah. That's a great, great insight. It, it, this whole thing kind of reminds me of my friend that uh, was taken by suicide last year. Um, one of the things he used to say that I loved was little by little then suddenly. Yeah. And he wasn't referring to his own situation, but I think yeah. it's, it's a little right. coincidental the, the way that it ended for him. Um, because in the end, it looks like he suddenly just did this. But, you know, there are things that kind of lead you to that point. And if you're going to be successful at anything in life, then that's kind of the way that is as well. But I mean, for you, you're probably not seeing much of an impact directly by leaving cards out for people of that situation. And you'll probably never know if those things are kind of passed along. But someday, suddenly, you might have someone contact you or that might come full circle and realize that all these little by little actions you were doing did, in essence, have an impact in the end. Right. I Right after, within, so Chris died at the very end of December, and uh, a wonderful friend of mine got me in contact with a, a lady here in Utah that um, was like the driving force behind the, uh, the Safe Utah app and getting the uh, suicide hotline manned here 24-7, which it wasn't before. Oh, wow. There were periods of time, especially during the night, where it would go to a voicemail. Um, anyway, she does QPR training, which is that question, persuade, refer. Um, and I had her come to my house at the end of February and give one of those trainings. And I, I've had two parents since then come to me and say, because of that training, it helped me with my son's friend or mm. it helped me with my son. So that was, that was very, um, I needed that in the beginning. Yeah. Now I, now I'm just, I just do it. And like you said, I may never know and that's okay. Yeah. I'm going to do it because that's how I want to live my life and have the person I want to be. That's great. Well, Judy, as we kind of get to the end here, um, I guess my last, maybe not last, but one final thing I'm curious about um, is just what would you share to people directly if you knew that they were contemplating taking their own life, maybe they're not seeing the value in their own life? Um, what, is, what is your final thought to someone like that? All right, this is kind of one of those, the three things I learned going through this and the three things I've learned as I'm still trying to grow up and be a real adult, um, the three things that I would share with people that are struggling, that they're um, feeling like, why am I doing this? It's nothing's ever going to change, that it's, um, you know, it's hopeless. Um, the first thing that I, that I learned was um, who I am. I know who I am. And that is such a powerful, uh, just a powerful inside, I know who I am. How it just helps fight off so many other things. I, I you know, you know I'm, I'm, I'm LDS and I, I know who, I know I'm a daughter of a Heavenly Father. And that if you look at this big wide world that we have, 
somebody, cre he created me because he loves me and then even gave his son for me. So just knowing that you are not just an accident, a coincidence of no value, you are an individual who is so deeply loved and needed in this world. And that's a great powerful tool to remind yourself when things are really bad. Uh, the second thing is, and this I truly learned from losing my Chris, I had two choices. I could be bitter or I could be better. Mm. And those are choices. I could be crawled up in a ball, crying myself to sleep and just crying all day. I could have been blaming and going after the people that I feel enabled my son. I could beat myself up the rest of my life. That, Why didn't I do this? Why didn't I do that? Um, uh, and I choose to, um, I unpack those feelings when I need to, but I choose not to live there. And I choose not to blame other people. I, it's funny when we were talking earlier about, you know, being young and, and a youth, um, I recognized that when I was my son's age and the people around him that I felt were enabling him, I would have been doing the same dumb thing. Hmm. And it, I have no right to be angry at them for not knowing what I know now. Right. So you need to give yourself a lot of, uh, a lot of mercy, a lot of forgiveness and choose, you know, I'm not saying choose. I'm not going to be depressed anymore. Just realize that by doing small things to be better, that does help. And then the very final thing is you are absolutely never alone and you are loved. And this world will never, ever be a better place without you. Never. Um, we may feel alone. We may physically be alone, but we're never alone. And we are here for a reason and for a purpose. Find yours. I'm 55. I'm still trying to figure mine out. Maybe this is what hmm. it is, but, but it can change. But you have a purpose and the world will never, ever be better without you. Uh, as a mom, young people, hear me. The world will never be better without you. I can tell you that our world is not better without our Chris. It's affected his siblings, our extended family, his friends, our community. He is so missed. And I think all of us would say we would do anything to have him back and for him to have known that. Yeah. You know, I, he did, but it is hard to remember that. So maybe if you write these three things down and look at them every day, you know, it, it helps. So, but those are my three big words of wisdom that, you know, the world is never going to be better without you. And you do have purpose. If you're not sure what it is, Hey, take the time and find out, figure yeah. it out. So well, that's just a profound message. Thank you for sharing all that, Judy. Um, I really, I mean, I hope this gets to the people that need it because those are the questions that they're probably wondering about. And to confirm that is just powerful. Um, I guess the last thing is, I think it asked before, if you do have any kind of other resource you want to share, maybe it's another podcast or a book or a webpage or anything like that. Is there something that's kind of a go-to for you that you'd like to share with everyone? Oh gosh, absolutely. So um, a few months after Chris passed away, um, I had met um, a lady in our area that had lost her, her son to suicide. It'll be, um, it'll be five years this year. Um, her name is Heidi Swap, 
Um, she does a podcast with David Kozlowski, and then their producer is Brandon Cash. It's called Light the Fight. Um, it came out probably about around this time of year, two years after Chris passed away, and it took me a little while to start listening to it. And about a year or so ago, I started uh, Life Changing because the advice that they give on that show and the suggestions can be used. It's supposed to be to help with your children, but it really can be used in any situation. Um, for me, it's Heidi's such a wonderful person and she and I have had some very uh, um, intimate and very quiet conversations together over losing our boys. And um, uh, they just, it's just very helpful because it's more of a, a plan and it's advice for any relationship that you have. It could be with a spouse, it could be a parent, a sibling, a coworker. Just great advice at how to better talk to people and uh, be partners. Um, just very helpful. So light the fight. Uh, I would highly recommend that for any mom, dad, even, even kids. It'll help you kind of understand where your parents are coming from. Yeah, and cool. then been off one for four kids, four teens. So yeah, they've been very helpful. That's one of my favorite podcasts. And one other quick thing, the scriptures, that's kind of my go-to. I have found some really great, um, uh, just very healing thoughts and, uh, and messages through, through, through that. So. That's great. Thank you for sharing. And again, Judy, I really just appreciate the time today. We could just talk for hours. <laughs> <laughs> about all these things and and it's all just great stuff and inspirational and i just appreciate what you're doing out there and keep spreading the word oh i will you too and kel i'm so glad that that we you know again no coincidences there are absolutely no coincidences we we were meant to have run into one another and get to know one another so thank you so much Hey, thank you again for listening in today. If you truly are struggling and having suicidal thoughts, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. They are available 24 hours every day and are anxious to help people in need. If you prefer to text, I would recommend the Crisis Text Line. They provide 24-7 support via text message. They're here for everything from anxiety, depression, and suicide. So even if you don't consider yourself suicidal, please text HOME to 741-741. That's H-O-M-E to 741-741. And simply open up about how you're feeling. Until next time, let's all stick around and help each other find hope and see value in life.